Welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Dr. Jeremy Weiss of www.templeofmiriam.com. And in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, the Conjure Man of Conjure Man Consulting in Mission Viejo, California, and our special guest co-host, Miss Doc Murphy of Twin Cities, Minnesota in Paganistan. This week, we will be joined by a special guest, uh, not one, but two, Miss Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Papa G of SouthernFolkMagic.com in Nashville, Tennessee. And they are bringing us today's topic of Stranger in a Cup. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, root work, as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who have signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and have called into the show, then you will be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first we'll catch up with our co-host, Conjure Man and Doc Murphy. How are you? Welcome, welcome all. As you can tell, I am not Miss Cat. We've got quite an interesting uh, lineup for you today where we have Doc Murphy steading, uh, stepping up in the big shoes of Miss Cat, an opportunity to actually interview Miss Cat and Papa G about their new book. So very exciting topic today. Welcome to all of you. Um, just a little bit of, of news on my end, and we'll check in with Doc Murphy and then dive in with our wonderful guests. Uh, I've been busy doing lots of sort of reconciliation work. Uh, Miss Kat and I have talked about in the past about how the reconciliation work in particular shows up in sort of seasons, which we call the seasons of love, um, generally around wintertime, around the holidays, and then in summer seems to be the kind of two peak periods in which people kind of show up and ask about, love work, returning former lovers or whatnot, but for whatever reason, and perhaps it's the effect of COVID-19 or the coronavirus, the love season has started early. And so way before Thanksgiving is even sort of a thing, people are starting to ask about uh, potential lovers, former lovers, partners that are wayward, or just trying to keep the peace in the home. So I think this is a, the consequence of people being in lockdown and quarantine and whatnot. So definitely interesting times. Been busy doing some client work in that regard. Um, but it's always fun, fun work. Let's check in with Doc Murphy. Welcome, Doc Murphy. You've been a guest on this show before, but for, you're stepping in as guest co-host. So this will be an exciting change for you. Welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Thank you so much for asking me to guest co-host. I am very excited. Um, kind of generally news-wise with me, I think I um, mentioned to you guys a few weeks ago that I received a research grant. So the thing that I'm kind of most focused on right now is um, chopping at the bit to get started on 
um, doing this bit of research. But what I'm super excited about is I got my goodie box for the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival yesterday. And I'm so excited. I was like a kid on Christmas morning opening up. It was fantastic. Um, there's some, it, it was exciting, you know, to go through all these um, wonderful products and kind of go, oh, I know what this is for. Hmm, what's this thing? I don't know. We'll find out later. And I'm especially excited about the books. I actually could not put down Stranger in a Cup last night. I got as far as the the um, history of the art of tea leaf reading in the book, which I know our guests will talk a little bit more about. My brain is on fire with the cultural history. I'm very excited about the fest, and I'm very excited about talking about this book with, with our guests today. So that's what's happening on this end. I definitely uh, feel you. I think of, of all the books that are coming, and there's a lot of fantastic books uh, that are coming out. The Stranger in the Cup is the one I'm also most excited about. Um, and I've said this before, is uh, I, uh, my family does tea leaf readings. I don't myself. I know how to do them, um, but I, do, I don't actually practice it for clients. Um, but I do have a vested interest in it. It's very close to my heart. Uh, palm readings and teacup readings have this beautiful kind of culture and history that are really associated with it. Um, and so I'm very excited about this. We're very lucky to have both Papa G and Miss Cat willing to join us as our guests. So welcome to both of you. Glad to have you. Before we dive into the actual book itself and discussing it, let's just check in, see what's new in your neck of the woods. So welcome, Miss Cat and Papa G. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks. Glad to have you. So what's new with both of you? We'll go with uh, Miss Cat first and then Papa G, and then we'll dive into the book. Anything new? Um, yes. Um, I have been um, putting finishing touches on my work for the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival. And as I announced all along, I'm running late because I had a lot of extra projects thrown onto me or I accepted a lot of extra projects connected with the um, textual part of the festival, that is the um, what would be called the flyers, if they were, um, we call them virtual flyers, they're PDFs of flyers. And um, then I had a dropout of um, my one of my co-writers on a book, the book Bottle Up and Go, so now I had to make two videos, <laughs> and, uh, and I ended up writing Madame Nadia's flyers, so I'm a little behind the eight ball. I'm, I have been working a little too hard, doing a little too much. I'm in the last crash here, and um, I just wanted to also thank you, Contraband Ali, for taking on running the board today because Nagashiba is working on editing audio to cut to fit video for my um, guiding light um, video. And then we haven't even, uh, we, I've already recorded all the audio for the bottle up and go. Um, but he, we don't yet have the video cut to fit yet or even all filmed. So we're behind. But it'll all be ready by the weekend. I mean, we're going to do it. We've actually hired a friend of ours, Tim Gennert, to help. So that's where we stand. And that's my report to Dr. Jeremy about why we're so late. It's really um, doing too many things and um, too many things at the last moment. But we're cool. Don't worry. We're no worries. We're <laughs> we'll make it. It'll, you'll have it. You'll it's going to be fantastic. Within. Well, we hope it's it'll be, be fantastic. I'm telling you. But um, yeah, it's it's going to be okay. How about that? Um, so um, 
that's it for me. So let's turn this over to Papa G. How are things in your neck of the word? I'm as usual. I picked all projects to happen at once. Uh, <laughs> you know, last <laughs> week I I did a a similar class at the National Pagan Pride virtually on tea leaf reading and introduced them to our book. And then the week before that, I was moving into our new offices. The room is expanded. So Roy and I took offices downstairs from our studio factory. So I've been moving into that. Today's the first day I'm doing the radio show from my new office. And then we went up to the store and took Roy's old office and turned it into what we call the witch's lair. It's an entire room just for all the witchy stuff. So it took like a, a week to decorate that. So And uh, here we are today, and next week's the festival and everything happens at once <laughs> <laughs> that's certainly true <laughs> once you get busy it's like it comes from all different sides well wishing you both well with with all the work that you've got going on so let's talk a little bit about this book i'm very excited about it i mentioned that there's a lot of books coming out uh, this year but this is the one i'm most uh, interested in personally um and there's a partly because I think of all the, of the reading styles, um, teacup reading has a real art to it. There's a real beauty and culture associated with it. Uh, you don't often see it with other forms of reading. I think uh, card reading can certainly have it. Madame Nadia uh, quite beautifully embodies this, I think. If anyone's ever had a card reading with Madame Nadia, you know, it's a, there's this whole performance and cultural aspect as well as this powerful psychic uh, component that goes into it. But teacup reading in particular does have this. It's this real culture associated with it and a great history. So why don't we start off just talking a little bit about um, what is this book, The Stranger in the Cup, How to Read Your Luck and Fate in the Tea Leaves, and why you both decided to write this book in the first place. So let's start there. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start because for most of this, I'm going to let Papa G talk because I'm going to be drinking tea and I'm going to explain why at the beginning. <laughs> um, as many of you listen to this radio show know, I always drink tea or have a cup of hot tea next to me while doing this show, you know, in case I get a little attack of allergy or a little frog in my throat. Um, when you talk all day for a living, you, you need something to drink. And I often mention what kind of tea I drink, and I often mention that I like to sweeten my tea with ginger rather than with sugar. And Papa G has been providing that ginger for several years now. And he's a Taurus, I'm a Taurus, and we have kind of bonded over our mutual love of tea. And we were having a different show, an entirely different show topic, and that was on... Um, on August 9th, we had a show on multi-part spells with Papa G. And he mentioned that he was working on a um, book on um, tea leaf reading and um, that he was going to be doing a workshop on tea leaf reading at the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival, which is the 16th, 17th, and 18th of October. And he was preparing for mm -hmm. this thing. And I said, wait a minute, what do you mean you're doing a book on it? And he goes, well, he's a little this, and he started this book. And so that was on August 9th. And on air, I said, you heard it here first. We're going to publish that book. And it's going to be a 96-page book, not some little pamphlet. And um, so he reminded me that within one week of that, he and I were scheduling full-day sessions in Skype, mm -hmm. working on the book. He had he turned into me all that he had written. 
I had material that I had previously written, uh, some of it for um, uh, my own website, The Mystic Tea Room, which is about the material culture of of tea leaf reading and fortune telling in general. There's more to come. It's a big website that's in development. So um, we kind of pooled our resources and we found out that we were very close to having, you know, about half a book. (laughs) So we kept on going and um, we put in a a, a very large dictionary of symbols and we put in uh, many, many illustrations and we worked our little tails off. In the midst of all of this, Papaji came up with an idea for a new tea because, as the book explains, you have to have good tea to to read tea leaves. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to just start with this, and then I'm going to turn this over to Papaji while I drink tea. I have two cups of tea here. One is an old restaurant ware because I collect restaurant ware, and it's from Goldblatt's department store. It's a white interior cup, so we call it an unmarked cup. And in it I have put my usual... Uh, tea leaf combination, which is constant comment by Bigelow, plus a little pinch of moo tea, which I've given the recipe for previously on this radio show, which is a Japanese spiritual mystical tea. And I always put a little bit of that. It has a licorice and it's quite nice. In the other cup, which is a purple feather Ainsley Doris cup of knowledge, eat your heart out, Papa G. Um, <laughs> purple feather and marked for Wembley. 1925, okay? Are you impressed? I am. I got my family cup of knowledge from Mystic Tea Room today, yes, the other day, by the way. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> Sounds good. And you, you, I know you, up, he and I are playing um, teacup shopping uh, tours together. So this is a very rare <laughs> cup from 1925, and it's um, marked with playing cards inside. It's called a cartomancy cup, mm. cup of knowledge. It has the words, the cup of knowledge around the inside, and there's a little line under it which tells you exactly how far to fill it with water. It's really great. So I have put into that cup a very special tea blend, which Papa G has come up with. It's called Fortune Telling Tea by Aroma G. And this tea is formulated for flavor, of course, for aroma, of course. But what it's also formulated for is for appearance in the cup. And the minute I poured the hot water into this thing, you could tell there's all these different shapes of tea leaves in it. And it's going mm-hmm. to make a an, very incredible display. This is a crowning glory, Papaji. That's all I have to say. Now I'm going to drink two cups of tea. And at the end of our talking about the books, I'm going to read two cups of tea. Ooh. So we get a nice Okay, so I'm going to turn this there. over to Papaji. How about we go through the book kind of, you know, in order, all right? Yeah. I do want to mention to everyone when I started this whole thing with Jeremy, um, saying, what do you want to teach? I said, well, so how I'm working, I have a couple of things. And I said, well, I'm working on a book doing tea leaf reading. He said, can you get it together in time? I said, I think so. So I go back to look. I hadn't written much of a book. I had tons of research. I'd started this before. I had written very little. So if I had put mm-hmm. that book out and not – teamed up with Kat, it would not have been as good a book as we put in together at well, thank all. You. I think we did a super, super job. And I also have to give a huge shout-out to Nagashiva, who helped with the illos uh, way above and beyond, because this thing was heavily illustrated. 
quick shout-out to Deacon Millett, who helped with the illos, and a big shout-out to Gray Townsend, who helped with the cover, and um, and with the, one of the illos also. So we all yeah. worked on this thing. And it may be product of uh, love, <laughs> collective love. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah. And, one thing when we were creating it was we were trying to make it. We, you know, we had the we both had stacks of tea books by our dads, mm-hmm. and we wanted to make it different than those books. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, we included all that good information that all, almost all tea leaf reading books mm-hmm. have, but so much more because none of them that that we saw address things like. Um, the marked cups, like the cardamancy cups and the numerology cups, and to go into great detail and history of them, or the um, the greater history of tea rooms. I mean, a lot of them just don't discuss that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, um, can I jump in here? There is there is one good um, book on tea rooms by Jan Whitaker called um, Right Tea at, Tea at the Green Lantern. And it's a nice um, cultural history of tea rooms. I could have um, hoped for a second edition where she could have put a bit more stuff in, but it's it's very good. It came out a few years ago, mm-hmm. and it's, it's quite good. There is one book of the old school tea leaf reading books that does mention the marked cup, but it it's um, Cicely Kent's book from the 20s. But she only mentions the Nelrose Cup of Fortune because that was all that was in existence that she knew of, although there were other ones that she didn't know about. But that's what she knew about, and she mentioned it. And then when mm. Jane Lyle did her repro of the Nelrose Cup of Fortune, which is called the Cup of Destiny in 2001, she put out a little book that went with it. But other than that, there are no books that talk about how to read a cartomancy cup, how to read a numerology cup. What he said is true. We've really broken new ground here. We really wanted this book to be different not just a social history of tea rooms or tea, but a little bit of all of that, and then a whole lot about tea leaf reading. Okay, over to you. So the yeah. actual and, reading itself. You know, go ahead. Uh, yeah, and the whole reading itself and how it's connected to uh, suffragettes. And it's, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I I don't, I don't know, but I learned a lot just from helping to write the book. Um, you know, it's sort of like you know all these things, but you uh, uh-huh. when, when you compile them in one place where it makes sense and flows, it all of a sudden you have an aha moment of how you uh, how all of these things put uh, go together. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it becomes Certainly. more important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in the in the book, we we start off with the um, the tradition and. Um, we give, you know, some shout-outs to the people who we learned from. Some of these old books on tea leaf reading were really little more than pamphlets, 16-page, 32-page pamphlets. They're very rare. Mm-hmm. Some of them were given away with tea, in boxes of tea, or offered by grocers to their customers. Some of them were written by metaphysically-minded people, were sold um, at their tables when they read tea leaves for people in a tea mm. room. And tea rooms are a a real part of tea leaf reading. Um, nowadays, when you think of tea rooms, most people think of these sort of pseudo or neo-Victorian, Edwardian, what I call the Downton Abbey look. 
Um, mm-hmm. But there were many, many kinds of tea rooms going back, and many of them did offer free or nominally charged tea leaf readings with your meal. And the people who did those readings had a special seat where they would sit at a table, and or they could come to your table if there was room, but usually you would go to their table with your cup, and they would read your tea leaves, and they would have a nice little 50-cent book that you could buy. And I've been collecting these books for years. And um, so we put in um, a bit of information and some Ill- illos of some of these very rare books in the history of tea leaf reading. And then we went oh, into the tea. Cool. And I, I, yeah. I'd, I'd like you, um, uh, Papaji, can you talk about – you? there's a chapter called The Tea, Choosing the Perfect Tea to Read and How to Brew Tea. Can you just kind of give an overview of that while I drink some more tea? Yeah, because the, the tea that you choose, it, it, it really makes a difference in the shapes that it forms in your cup. Um, mm-hmm. uh, tea from a bag is just no good. That's called fannings. It's basically, I say, it's what they sweep up off the floor. So they package good yeah, tea. Yeah, in the, in the herb trade, what they call fannings, we call floor sweepings. <laughs> And there, you know, there are a lot of things that, like, like a lot of green teas have very large leaves, and um, mm-hmm. they they sort of spread out and don't really make a good story. Oolong um, also sort of just looks when it spreads out into the cup and unfurls, it just looks like a tea leaf. So mm-hmm. there's not much story you can put into it. So there's things, you know, we go over which teas to choose and which ones to avoid. Um, some green teas you could put a little bit in, but you, we want things like black tea. We talk about black teas. A lot of them can make layered information in a cup. Um, mm-hmm. Things like pu'er, uh, but to find a cheaper cut of pu'er because some, you don't want the compressed balls. They're not going to tell you anything. More expensive ones, they tend to have tend to have really big leaves, and they don't. The main thing is to find teas that spread, tell a story inside the bowl of the cup, and it should be mm-hmm. a mixture of different sizes. Um, like Ceylon makes dots, and what dots mean are a few dots can mean you're leading up to financial success. Uh, a winding dots can mean a journey you're going to take. So we just covered things like that. Um, mm. Which you know, which tea to make your perfect blend out of, and which ones to avoid. Mm. Some of the herbs yeah, you can part actually. Of, part yeah, of, and you can you know some teas will have little extras in them, like chai will have coriander and things like that, cinnamon. And um, I this, I have this cup of constant comment. It has both cloves and oranges in it and I added to it muti which is uh, mm-hmm. made with herbs and it has more oranges so I have a very orangey cup of, you know and it's going to have all these chunks of oranges which will look different I've also just now discovered of course a big problem with the cup of knowledge um, the one I have and this will only mean something to tea leaf collectors it's a high doris and the high doris means I cannot turn it in the saucer because a high doris wow. cup from Ainsley, the handle sticks up above the rim of the teacup. So the only uh, way interesting. you can turn Yeah, it's made to be read either in the cup or you simply have to turn it in the air or turn it in your hand. Um, mm-hmm. So um, 
which is, you know, that's the problem with the Hydorus. On the other hand, there are other Ainsley cups where the handle is lower. Wow. So for, for our listeners, so for our listeners here, what we're talking about is, on one hand, you're, you need to select the right tea because you're reading the tea leaves, not just the placement of the tea leaves, but the actual leaves themselves, whether they're little bits or the different sizes. So this is what Papa G is talking about that there's a difference there, right, in the, in the sort of clubs that are made by the tea. And so you want the right uh, tea in order to, to get nice visuals, not just where it's placed randomly, but also the actual leaf itself. But what Ms. Cat is also talking about is that you need the right cup for it as well, depending on what you're, you want to do with it. If you're going to turn it over, you need one in, that is not a Hydorus, which has the uh, handle above the rim there. So both of these play a factor in, in the actual tea leaf reading. Now, could they, is this something that's discussed in the book as well, that in addition to, okay, here are the right teas to pick out and a review of the various teas, but also what the process is with the actual teacup itself. Do you turn it over? Do you not turn it over? Does the book discuss that? Right. The main yeah. thing we okay. discussed is yeah, it should be bowl-like. Yeah. It really needs to be a bowl-like cup um, so that when mm-hmm. you swirl it, mm-hmm. most people will... Um, when they drank their tea and they had most of it, they leave, you leave about a tablespoon of liquid in the cup. Right. And um, you're supposed to swirl the cup three times. Um, some say that swirling to the left is um, very, uh, I think, I believe the left is the British way and right is American. doesn't really matter. And then um, swirling it actually is what it's doing is it's leaving these leaves on the walls of that bowl. And if you were to use something cylindrical, like a mug, mm-hmm. all of it's going to fall to the bottom. So right. you're not going to get these patterns. So it, number one, it must be bowl-like so you can um, get all that information going all the way up from the rim to the bottom. And we discussed what the top means, you know, rim to the middle, to the bottom, um, what the handle is, which should be pointing at you. It's called the home away from the handle mm-hmm. called the away. And we discuss all the information about that's sort of like the timing in the cup. What's, when is something going to happen? Where does, where do mm-hmm. these tea leaves land? And picking the right cup to make that occur is important. Yeah. There's mm. a lot of people who prefer a, an unmarked cup because they, they read the handle home and away and then some of them, and we described this, I described my old friend Ron Martin Shank and his use of what's called the clock face, which he learned from his mother. And he died as an old man in 2015, and he always used this particular pattern. Um, after he became interested in African-American folk magic um, and in hoodoo, and he actually, be, in his late in life, became a student of my correspondence course in hoodoo, he uh, simplified this cup thing to be what he called the crossroads. In other words, instead of dividing it into 12, like the clock face, he just divided it into four. And he began to talk about the four seasons, um, at night and day, you know, and um, he could adapt the plain cup to read in many, many, many ways. Now, a lot of people prefer a plain cup. And uh, the swirling, I want to say something about that too. Um, there are many ways to do it, left, right, in your hand, over the saucer. If you care about fine china, you don't want to be grinding that cup on your saucer. Some people mm-hmm. leave a lot of liquid in the cup 
they take the cup and they literally shake it over the saucer, right? And they then read the saucer. So I've done both in my thing here. Reading the saucer is the what's called the Irish way. Um, I have an old postcard in my collection, which I have not yet put online, and it's the Colleen's, meaning young Irish girls, the Colleen's reading their cups, and and they are, um, the cup is irrelevant, they're reading the saucer. So um, I've done this, so I have both, but when you have an unmarked cup, you usually have a saucer that just has a little decorative rim. If you have a marked cup, like with playing cards, the saucer is usually plain, but except for there are a few uh, numerically as far as the number of cups ever produced in which the saucer is decorated also. It might have signs of the zodiac. It might have um, oh any number of different ideas, seasonal markings, um, markings of symbols. So whatever cups you use, I recommend that if you want to learn tea leaf reading, you should get at least four cups to and practice with them. One that you like just because you like it, and the handle should be below the rim. It should be a very easy cup to read. Like I said, I use restaurant wear. I think you should have one that's a cartomancy cup, and I'm going to read this cartomancy cup in a moment. And um, it has playing cards. So if you read Tarot, uh, you can convert those. It won't have the major... Uh, arcana or trumps, but it'll have all the minors. Or if you know playing mm-hmm. card reading, you can go look in our book. We have the meanings for the playing cards if you have a playing card cup. If you have a cup that shows symbols, one of the most um, important things to understand about tea leaf reading is it's not about intuition. And you read this in books all the time. I looked into the tea leaves and I saw my intuition told me, yeah, sure, <laughs> that's very nice. But tea leaf Tea leaf reading is not a, a thematic app perception test. Tea leaf reading looks for omens, and omens or signs have meanings. So if you see a turtle, it means something slow but steady, right, like a turtle. If you see a house, it means security. These things are not to be um, belittled or played with as something about your um, personal individual journey because they have come from a long tradition and community of tea leaf reading. It's like people who say to me, you know, I know that people tend to use bay leaves for wisdom, but you know, for me, bay leaves are for cursing, so I'm going to use them for cursing. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> what? <laughs> so it's the same thing with the reading the tea leaves. There's so many people who don't want to learn the tradition. So in this mm-hmm. case, um, when you have a, a cartomancy cup, you're going to look at the symbol and you're going to look at what card it's on and that gives you a layered meaning or double meaning. And another one, if you wouldn't have four cups, I would recommend that you have one version at least of the Nelrose Cup of Fortune. You can buy the cheap modern version, which is the Jane Lyle Cup of Destiny. The reason is that has astrology in it and it has a few symbols around the edge. And then you should splurge and buy one symbol cup. Um, and that should just have symbols in it. But those symbols are tea leaf reading symbols. Those are not just, you know, like, I don't know, pictures of billboards by the side of a freeway. There are people who make cups that they think are witty where they put all this crazy stuff in, but they really should be tea leaf symbols. And then it's like you have a tea leaf symbol and you have your tea leaves on top of that. So, for instance, if you're um, 
if your cup had in it a ship as one of the symbols, which is very common. And the ship, as you might guess, means journeys. And if, mm-hmm. just as an example, a a um, an image formed of, um, oh my gosh, let's just say ivy. It looked like a little branch of ivy or an ivy leaf. And the ivy leaf was on top of the ship. Ivy means have patience with your steadfast and loyal friends. And the ship means a journey. So either you're going to travel or they're going to travel, but have patience with them through this process of journeying. They may move from one place to another if the ship is going away from home. And if there are roads coming back, they may come back again. It may just be a short journey. But this is a double meaning now, the ivy and the ship. Um, But to give another example, let's say, again, there's a ship, but now we have something else on that and what we have here is um, a picture of a dancer like a ballerina Mm -hmm. and it says coming pleasure and gratification good news and invitation so suddenly the meaning of it changes now you may be invited to the journey it may be a cruise now we have dancing you see so uh, go with the tradition don't try to fight it don't try to I'll tell you when you're you're going to love, Kat, when I was doing the um, uh, Zoom class last week for Pagan Pride, I used a Lenormand, um, Cart- uh, Lenormand tea leaf reading cup. It had a, has all the Lenormand symbols in it. Oh, yes. I love that cup. And I, and I got a, a blackbird in the tea leaves made the form of a blackbird. But what was interesting was that blackbird was perched on the shoulder of the man symbol. Oh, how cool. So, See, you know, that's cool. wonderful. So, now, now, by the way, that Lenormand, yeah. that Lenormand cup, I would like to mention that for tea leaf readers and collectors. Um, and this is something new. Um, and as far as I know, the first person to make them um, is a woman named Karen. She has a company called Tea with Karen. She's in Australia. The cups are not cheap. But she overglazes already made cups with the the Lenormand um, symbols as if they weren't, but they're not in a card. They're just loose. But if you know Lenormand oracle reading, there they are. And it's just wonderful. It's really beautiful. And I have to thank you, Papaji. You gave me a gift of one of those, and it was lovely. And I immediately turned around and bought the other one. <laughs> they come in a matching pair, one white yeah. and one black. <laughs> now I have them both. Yeah, I got it's the ma- really- matching one too. Yeah, I know they're just too cool. She's gonna. I mean, that is that is an amazing woman. She really has put her heart into making these beautiful Norman cups. And they're available online. <clears throat> it's very but cool seeing the who- way in which. Yeah, let me just jump in. It's very cool to see the way both of you speaking about the way in which you're able to add layers of meaning here by reading both the imagery on the cup itself as well as the tea leaves so that you're able to kind of combine them together to create these layers of meaning. That's really fantastic. Uh, I do want to give yeah. a moment mm-hmm. so we can get Doc, Doc, poor, Doc, poor, poor Doc Murphy in here. Uh, if she has a question, if she, she can speak <laughs> about this a little bit. <laughs> well, just for, the, for, the, for me and for the benefit of the audience, too, this is not a, a form of, uh, of, of art that you can just grab any old mug. 
and and do clearly there is there is a, as you've been talking about the, the the shape of the cups and the style of the cups and where the handle is is uh, placed. Uh, there there is a, a proper tool um, to do this, but I, it also strikes me like I said I'm still enmeshed in the in the part of the book where you're talking about the cultural histories and 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 um, how we were talking about there's sort of this resurgence that's starting to pop up. I also have been noticing on places like Etsy, um, there are artists that are making kind of new versions of cardomancy cups that it's, it's really exciting to kind of watch. Um, but I kind of wonder if also, and I'd love to get you guys' opinion about this, is I wonder if part of the reason that the art of something like tea leaf reading, or we can even branch off and say coffee ground reading kind of in the same umbrella category, is, is becoming popular again because, frankly, you don't need a heck of a lot of stuff in order to do it. If you have water and a cup and a, a decent tea and time and some symbol vocabulary, um, you can engage in this really beautiful art. I remember when I used to, my days working at the occult shop here in the Twin Cities, we would have walls and walls of tarot cards and people would look at them and just say, oh, I'm so intimidated. Where do I even start? But tea is approachable um, and something you encounter every day. And I'm wondering if, if you guys have maybe observed that that might, might be part of the resurgence is that there's something uh, really accessible about this particular divinatory art and if that's what's encouraging the resurgence at all. What do you think? Can I speak to this for just yeah. a second? Because there's, there's a couple of factors here, and you've hit on one half of it, but the other half is there too. Yes, I started reading uh, tea leaves at the age of eight, eight, and I was very good at it. I mean, it's just like it's pretty obvious the pictures were there, and I just, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I had a little uh, pamphlet um, that uh, this woman that I knew, Mrs. Hare, had all these things on different forms of divination, and she showed me how to do it. I wowed my parents by doing a tea leaf reading at a Chinese restaurant, and I was completely right about things I had no knowledge of. And my mother said, gee, you're a gifted tea leaf reader, and I'm eight, and I'm like, wow, this is so easy. But on the other side of that is mostly women do it. It's always been mostly women. Mm -hmm. The bowl, the cup is a female shape. Mm -hmm. Um but the other half of it is the trivialization of it. That's it's very easy yeah. to do, but it's also denigrated and deprecated and trivialized, especially by the more um, hierarchical, you know, initiated priests of divination because, you know, hey, you can do it in your home. Right? And they're saying, "Oh mm -hmm, no, mm -hmm. you must study five years, and you know you must get a, you must earn your badge, merit, or whatever." No, it's women's stuff, and so um, five and all a half of the uh, yeah, all of the quasi-military lodge system magic doesn't apply. <laughs> and um, so, so because it's been trivialized often. And also for legal reasons. You know, you're reading tea leaves in, in a restaurant, and the cops come in, they go, fortune-telling is illegal in this town, right? And so you have to do uh, what many people do as Valentina Burton, my good friend in air. She named her company Mystic Amusements Incorporated. I love that name. She's, you know, she's basically saying, I'm here to entertain you. Um, so when you do that, then you're also deprecating your own devotion to this form of divination. So it has its positives. Mm -hmm. Anyone can do it, especially women. It has its negatives. Anyone can do it, especially women. Right? So 
Either way. Now, mm-hmm. as for the Which is the reason why you talk about it was often, well, better word, poo-pooed. Um, poo-pooed, yeah, right. right. <laughs> exactly. And there are people who even who do it and have published books and say, now, don't do this for serious. This is all just a joke. And yet, But mm-hmm. they're still doing it. It's very it, – you don't hear that so much about tarot, for instance, or definitely not about astrology. But it really has to do mm-hmm. with women's role in society, which goes back to suffragettes and YT rooms existed in the first place. They were women-safe spaces where women could go and um, and not be harassed by men and have a meal no one would judge them for not cooking at home. No one would judge them for being a single, unaccompanied woman or two women together. God forbid that two women should, like, eat out mm-hmm. together, you know. So there was a whole <laughs> lot of tea, tea, well, really. And there, so there was a whole lot of tea room culture that sprang up to protect women. Now, but to go back to your other thing, why a resurgence? I I think tea room have had a recent resurgence because of some of the Dickens fairs and then the Downton Abbey. There's a kind of an, uh, a neo-nostalgia for Edwardian times, which most people call Victorian wrongly. Yep. And, yep. and yep, says the historian. Yep. Um, I love you, Ollie. That was good. That was pure Ollie. Um, but with that, there's a lot of small tea rooms that have sprung up. Now, COVID-19 has played havoc with them. And at the Mystic Tea Room, I've been uploading. I, I went through a project called um, 50 Tea Rooms, 50 States, 50 Days. And for 50 days, while we were working on this book, and up and after we finished the book and was at press, while it was being printed, I uploaded a tea room every day. And um, it was interesting. In some states, I couldn't um, find old vintage cards but I, all of the, the new tea rooms closed because of COVID. So we're looking at what may be a downturn again. However, tea rooms um, and the idea of tea parties have become a kind of a thing that's being done by women in their homes. It's it's mm-hmm. a new, um, I, I want to call it a fad, but everyone dresses up. Some of these new tea rooms have uh, dressing rooms with hats and things that you can wear. It's like a costume party, and you come and you put on the fancy hats, and then you have your photo taken, and children, girls, always girl children. Every once in a while there'll be a man, and every once in a while there'll be a couple of gay men, but sometimes a father will come along to the tea party, birthday party for the little girl and all her little girl friends. But this is sort of an interesting new development. Um, the offering of tea leaf readings at these um, fancy little bake shop tea rooms is a little extra, right? So, it's a, it's, you know, culture goes through these little waves, but that's what I've been observing recently. I personally think that tea leaf reading is undervalued by male masculine mm-hmm. society. And I think it's, Certainly. you know, it's one of those things, you know, I'm, you know, me to the barricades, you know, with a cup of tea in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's also in, in other arts too. I mean, in the other arts, you know, how how long has um, painting and sculpture done by men been considered great art, and the domestic arts done by women, like like uh, quilting and china painting, has been relegated to craft mm-hmm. and that in the arts. Too. So there's, right, there's an analogy right. there. Um, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, the same thing. Yeah. The, now, if we have a is, is if we have a moment, social. oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. 
No, no, that's okay. I was just saying, I, I also wonder, too, in, in light of the fact that they happen in these tea rooms and these social spaces, I also kind of wonder if the resurgence is because um, tea leaf reading and tea rooms are social spaces. You know, you're not in your little temple room in your basement doing ceremonial magic. You're you're among mm-hmm. your friends and among the people. It's a, it's a social space as well for, for you know, like I yes. said, to... to and, yes, and I'm going to speak to that, too. Most um, historical paintings, prints... Um, and even comical art on postcards of people reading tea leaves is either two women, but very often it's three women. And the mm. third woman I always call the witness. There's a there's a woman reading the leaves who's usually older. There's a woman being read for, and it's usually a she has a look of alarm or pleasure on her face. She has an emotion, very strong emotion. And then there's her witness who's leaning in to see what's happening. So there is a social, it's the three, it's the triple goddess tea leaf reading image that appears over and over and over in art. Right? Mm, yeah. interesting. Very interesting. interesting. It also it also happens to make a, um, a classic pyramid form of a painting, as you know. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I'd like mm-hmm. to take a moment, if I can, I'm going to break into this. I'm going to read these cups. Okay. Oh, the, yes, cup this that I had, the cup that I had with constant comment and with the moo tea added, and I was hoping to get some extra special grooviness out of the moo tea, but the moo tea just sort of sat on top of the constant comment and kind of whatever, um, shows a rabbit. Very clearly, it is a beautiful um, rabbit, and it is hopping over a slice of one of the roots from the moo tea. So the moo tea is um, made of all kinds of Japanese herbs, and this is a a carrot slice looking, I don't know what kind of uh, root this was, but it's white on the inside and brown all around the outside edge. It was never peeled. So it's a rabbit jumping over the moon. And it's pretty obvious. I mean, it's like you look at it and go, whoa, that's a rabbit jumping over the moon. It's not a cow jumping over the moon, folks. It's a rabbit. <clears throat> so <laughs> if you look in the book on page 63, rabbit bravery. If a if the child of a friend is ill, you can be of help. That's incredibly important to me. You won't even you guys don't know what this is about. <clears throat> Earlier today, I did a reading for um, one of my longtime clients. She just found out she has a biological half sister, oh. and there is oh yeah yeah this is like this is completely out i mean i've been reading for this young woman since she was 20 she's now 30 i read for her mother before her this child appeared out of nowhere and i'm going to say the child's name was gabriella and um and i was like what are we going to do about this and the last judgment card came up which shows the angel gabriel and i'm like oh my god and there's two families coming out of their coffins and i'm like oh my god you have a whole other family and but there's illness there's diabetes. There's a whole bunch. There's a whole cluster going on here. So this rabbit mm. jumping over the moon means something to me that I can be of help, or that I should tell her she can be of help. But this is about mm-hmm. me. I spent quite a bit of time trying to talk her into connecting with this young woman who had has some issues, and so bravery. If the child of a friend is ill, you can be of help. So that's very meaningful to me. It's not just some trivial, you know, you're going to take a voyage across the sea. Um, And um, then the moon, of course, refers to mother issues, right? We know that. And it refers to Monday. And um, if you look um, in the um, 
planetaries on page 71. The moon, uh, if a good sign is on it, high honor and social success and love of family. If a bad sign is on it, inconstancy in one you love, emotional stress. Well, I'm going to say, and it also says a crescent moon brings good news. Well, this is a full moon. And I would say she will have love a family. She's going to have to reach out to this young woman who she just found out is her biological half-sister, and one reason will be the medical reason. So that's how I read that cup. The other cup <clears throat> is um, a the cup of fortune. Here, there's a bunch of symbols, but I'm going to just say the one that was the most interesting to me is a symbol of a teapot. It's actually a teapot. So this is kind mm. of... Um, uh, reductive, <laughs> you know, and um, it, it, it's, you know, uh, recurrent. But if you look on page 66 in the book, a teapot actually has a meaning. And the teapot is a gathering of friends, spread cheer, avoid gossip. Okay, got that. So we're talking about tea, and there's the picture of the teacup. That's lovely. It is on uh, the four of diamonds. So you turn to page 72. And the Four of Diamonds says, someone is in love with you and your troubles are caused by inconstant friends. So this is kind of interesting because the teapot says a gathering of friends in the home. Someone is in love with you. That's the first half of both sentences. The second half of the sentences is avoid gossip and um, and uh, there are troubles caused by inconstant friends. So this is good advice to me. I should stick with those friends I know and love. Um, I should stick with the one who's in love with me, and I should avoid gossip and avoid inconstant friends, those who promise something but don't do it, or are hot one day and cold the next. That was my advice mm. from that cup. Okay, so there you Ooh, go. Oh, that's so cool. So what we see with wow. the book is that you there's first, obviously, the history that's being taught here, the history, the culture. There is the practical concerns, what teacup to use, what tea to look at, and they get an introduction into the process of actually doing tea relief readings. And then also they have the symbols. They can turn to various pages to find what certain symbols mean. So this is really all, this is a comprehensive book. You get a lot in this book, um, more than just the people imagine when it comes to tea leaf readings. You get history, you get process. You get practical consideration, and you get the symbols. So you can really kind of build your language of reading teacups over time. This is phenomenal. So if anyone's interested, this is the, this is the book for them. Um, I, I think yeah. the thing that fascinates me most about teacup reading, and I, I tell this to all my students too, and, and feel free to, to agree or disagree with me, is that if you're picking up any form of divination, whatever divination you have, whether you're doing tarot or you're doing astrology or you're doing scrying or whatever, there should be another accessible form of divination. So far from denigrating accessible divination, they actually, it's one of their strongest suits. And what I mean is divination that you can do on the go, reading that you can mm -hmm. do out there, that you, if you don't have your cards with you, right, you can still do it. And this is why people pick up things like the pendulum. Because the pendulum can be mm -hmm. made out of anything. It can be a little string in your ring, right? It's a very mm -hmm. common form of doing pendulum. You don't have to have something fancy. The teacup reading is the same thing. Same with bibliomancy, right? The ability to carry a book with you, a Bible with you, that you're able to kind of read. You don't have to bust out your cards. 
and even geomancy to a certain extent, right? Astrology, the reason people picked up geomancy is because it was easier to do than horary astrology. You, hadn't, you didn't need to do this calculations. You didn't, need to, you didn't need an ephemeris. You just needed pen and paper. So having these accessible forms of readings like teacup readings is not something that we should denigrate or dismiss because they're not, quote-unquote, high divination or whatever, but actually their accessibility is what makes them strong. I mean, here you are. You just drank tea and you did two phenomenal readings for us. Just <laughs> I have they, all, they both made sense for me. They, one was really about the reading that I had, I mean, right before you, right before I called into the show, I finished that reading. So that was absolutely on my mind. The other one is a bit more about my own life. Um, mm-hmm. there, is, there is something else that I want to mention here. We do talk about the perfect tea. And in the workshop box, there's this wonderful tea. God, this stuff is so easy to read, Papaji. It's so clean. Um, it's really cool. I'm going to tell you, because I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to read the whole cup, but there's another symbol in my um, in my uh, cardamancy cup, and it is a, a parrot on a perch. It's a large parrot. I, I would say it's mm. possibly a... a uh, an African gray, or even it could even be bigger. It could be a macaw, and it's on on uh, sitting on a, another one of these um, cards. Okay, and this is also so strange to me. Um, there is a um, a video that I was watching after I got through with that reading, and right before I came on here, I'm going to watch this video about. Um, about parrots. I'm interested in how, how uh, intelligent are parrots. And so mm-hmm. this is on top of the parrot. Is I had to move the tea leaves aside to, to find out what the cup, uh, card was. It was on top of the three of hearts. A greeting, an embrace, a kiss, and a warning to be tactful. Um, what I had watched was a man kissing his parrot. <laughs> so I'm going... Oh my God! This thing is like so. Now I don't know that that has a, a meaning for me for the future, but um, but that was interesting that I had watched this video of a man kissing his parrot, and now I have a uh, this thing called a kiss. And then if I go to look at the parrot, okay, the meaning of the word, uh, the meaning of the symbol of the parrot. Mm-hmm. Foreign journey, mental energy, and inclination to gossip. So I'm probably talking too much, but there you go. It's on a perch. It's not going yes, it's not going on a foreign journey. It can't go. <laughs> it's on a perch. That's you're absolutely right. It's a it's a it's a pet parrot. Um so is, it, so, is it home or away? Um oh good question. It is um it is away and um it's but it's it's in the uh, moving away as opposed to moving home uh, away. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, oh, interesting. yeah the um, these these little symbols are um, fascinating to me. Interestingly enough, and he asked a good question: Is it home or away? The cup that I have with the cards in it, there are many many. Uh, th- these little cards were um, put on with decals, and you will find. Mm-hmm that no two Ainsley cup of knowledges are exactly the same because the person who did the card um, decoration cut these up and then arranged them, and then it went in to be glazed. So they're all a little different. <laughs> it's, for, it's fascinating um, to, to know um, how much handwork goes into making these cups. 
Mm-hmm. What's fascinating to me is seeing just how how much all of this makes sense right from the readings that you're doing, right? And that is a sign yeah. of really mm-hmm. good divination. It's a sign of a good divination mm-hmm. system. That, yeah. None of it's you know, random. You can pick it up and it makes, yeah, you can pick it up and it starts to make sense right away. From your very first mm-hmm. teacup reading, right, it starts to make sense. And the symbols themselves have their own sort of logic to them that you're able to sort of pick up um, relatively quickly. That's a sign of a good system, that you're not sitting there going, trying to force fit or go, okay, I think it maybe means this, but that doesn't make sense to me. It has no relevance. I mean, here you're watching videos of Paris and Paris is showing up in your teacup, right? That's a sign yeah, of but really you know good what's, and, and what's interesting here, too, um, and, and I that the idea that it was on a perch this is also about me and my mental energy why am i sitting here watching videos of people kissing their parrots um because you're because you're a weirdo no because i can't get out of the house because i'm on a right, perch right you see right. um people kissing parrots is a stand-in for my normal social mental energy and right um yeah and I'm reading and the book I'm parroting. Part of the in the book too, Kat, you mention the parents, don't you? Mm-hmm. With the picking the cards for. Oh yes, oh yes, that's true. At the Mystic Tea Room and and in in many my my things, I talk a lot about fortune telling by means of birds. This is another one of my realities. <laughs> I've collected many videos of fortune telling by means of birds, and. Um, yeah, you're right. That is a that's not quite a domestic art because you have to have training the birds. Um, you know, there's um there's also reading the saucer. So I'm going to look at the the Goldblatt saucer. This is the plain saucer with some pictures. And all I see here really is a big big hummingbird. And this hummingbird is flying like with its little beak out like it's going to be, you know, approaching a flower. And um so I'll, I hear that music, but I'm just going to say, what do I got for the hummingbird? Mm-mm-mm. Nothing. There's nothing here in the book. So we're just going to say it's approaching a flower, and it's going to be um, sucking something sweet. And what I'm going to get is my ginger out of the bottom of the cup. <laughs> All right, I'm done. <laughs> this was this was a fantastic, fantastic conversation. I mean, we really had an opportunity to dive deep into Stranger in My Cup and also had a really neat treat of actually experiencing a tea reading ourselves. Uh, so for people who haven't picked up this book or who are not getting it in their, in their box, this is definitely the book to pick up this year. This is the book of 2020. So thank you both of you for uh, taking this time and chatting with us about this cool project and about this cool book. We are now going to move on to our next segment after a short announcement where we will take on our first caller. Stay tuned. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with your host, Conjurman Ali, and special guest co-host, Doc Murphy. And this week's special guest, Miss Catherine Ironwood and Papa G, will be right back. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Rootworkers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. 
and by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. And now it's time to go to the phones and bring in our client, Lola. Lola, are you there? Lola? Hello, I'm here. Ah, great. Um, Lola has been on the show before. Um, is not calling about this uh, prior thing that she's called about, uh, about in the past. Um, conditions have changed somewhat. She's never had a reading from Miss Cat or Conjurman Ali, and she hasn't had a reading about this particular issue. She would write in. I have become strongly attracted to a friend who I met over social media. We recently spent time together in person, and there was definitely some chemistry between us. He told me how he had a partner and that he was moving his partner down to his town in a few days. I can't seem to get him off my mind. Is there any chance of romance between us? Hello, Lola. Thanks for uh, trusting us with your situation. I'm going to turn this over to Doc Murphy. Before I do, I'm going to ask uh, a couple questions. So first, what is your sign of the Zodiac? I am a Scorpio. You are a Scorpio. Okay, lovely Scorpios. And what about this person that you're interested in? Do you know their sign? They are a Gemini. Ah, Scorpio and Gemini. <laughs> An interesting mix, not always. Uh, the strongest. So with that, I'm going to turn this over to Doc Murphy, who's going to do your first reading, followed by Papa G, and then I'll give you some root work advice. And then we'll all jump in and give root work at the end uh, as well. So, uh, Doc Murphy, please take it away. All right. Hi, Lola. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for asking. Go ahead. Well, I'm doing just a quick four-card spread here, um, past, present, obstacle to the present and future. Um, The card that I have sitting in the past is the Queen of Pentacles. I'm actually gathering that the narrative that's being told here is kind of more about what's going on in your emotional life in your head. Um, It's real simple if you kind of admire somebody over social media and from afar that you kind of... You kind of daydream about them a little bit, and so kind of bringing you back to the ground is what we need to do here. So the Queen of Pentacles is is um, which shows up the past here, and that seems to be about you and your groundedness and uh, your ability to kind of, like I said, kind of keep a, a, a grounded head with regard to um, pursuing relationships. Um, the card that I have sitting in the present is death reversed. I read reversals. Um, Death reversed means uh, lack of change. It's stagnance. It means nothing's really kind of happening. It's stuck. Um, So it looks like he's being pretty honest with you and maybe there is chemistry and maybe he really likes you, but he's come right out forward and said, I'm moving a partner into town and this is kind of where it's at. And you seem to kind of be a little bit stuck in this situation. Um, that doesn't vote very well. The obstacle to the present, um, this is, again, uh, not necessarily a bad thing, but it certainly could complicate things. I have the lover's card. I think this is probably where you might be kind of dreaming a little bit about what could be, about what he might be. 
Um, and it's an obstacle to what the situation is because even though the situation is pretty clean and pretty grounded and, and pretty stagnant, and he's honest with you about that, you're kind of stuck daydreaming about what this actually could be in the relationship that you could have. The card that I have sitting in the future actually is the sun. The sun is illumination. This is a bright light shining on the situation, and this will end up being a positive outcome as long as you are honest with yourself. I gather that this would be an unfriendly or painful situation. You might be able to salvage a friendship out of this, but I'm not seeing in the cards that the relationship that you're hoping for is actually a realistic one. Um, so I would say if you want to keep in touch with this uh, fellow as a friend, this might be a really good thing to do. Stay stay um, honest with yourself about it, but um, I, I'm gathering that probably his his uh, his role as sort of a faraway social media dream lover is might be something that's getting in the way of you seeing the situation clearly. So um, that's what I have as my reading. So Papa G, do you want to take it from here? Yeah, thanks, Chuck Murphy. Lola, I had sort of a sort of a similar flavor to what Doc Murphy said. Uh, maybe some extra information. I did draw four cards because I, I drew the cards when we were talking. Normally I draw three, but something told me to give one more for more information. The first one is the Ace of Cups, which, you know, the, it shows a hand holding out a cup and, and uh, flowing water out of it, which is about new emotions, the opportunity for um, a new relationship or sort of like a new relationship being conceived of, um, the idea of a new relationship. And it's followed by the Eight of Swords. Um, the Eight of Swords shows a woman who is, she's bound and she's blindfolded. There are eight swords, sort of um, semicircle around her from the back, but if you look closely at this card, she could easily wiggle out of the, wiggle out of her binding. It's sort of the card of self-imposition, to me, when all these put together, um, let me keep going, and I'll see what I think they mean all together. The next one is Two of Wands, which is about future planning, already assessing what's um, what's going to happen in the future. Where are we going to take this? What's going on? Um, what can we build together? Because it shows a man holding a globe. He's holding a wand. He's looking out off the balcony. He's deep in thought, making future plans. And the fourth card I pulled was the Three of Swords, which is the one that shows three swords piercing a heart, which can be about heartbreak and can be about rejection. So if I were to piece all of these together, basically it tells you to slow down. <laughs> because, well, it could go somewhere. It's the beginning of the first card, the beginning of a new relationship could be flowing if you move too fast, you will drive him away. So take it natural. Take it slow. See where it develops. Don't don't go in like a bull in a china shop. <laughs> and Thanks. That's I my think you've got some. <laughs> Thanks. I think you've got some some fantastic uh, readings here, um, and some some really good advice. You're you're in a sort of tricky situation. On one end, uh, you, it's very clear that there is some connection here. There is some chemistry, and it's, you know, being revealed even in the 
cards and the readings that, yeah, you know, it's not all in your head. There is chemistry there. But you're also not being given very clear indication that, oh, yep, you two are meant to be together and it's all going to be good. This is someone who's in another relationship. Um, Scorpios crush and they crush quite hard. There's an intensity there. Um, all Scorpios uh, have this component to them. Um, so what I'm going to do is give you some root work that'll, if this person is meant to be with you, if this person is, is yours, and then this root work will make him yours, make this partner of yours come to you and be with you. If, on the other hand, it's not, and this person's all clearly headed in a different direction, then it will draw to you love like this one without any of the complications. Um, so, you know, I would recommend that, that you approach this, take that advice of take it slow, three of swords, heartbreak, right? Be, be a little careful there. Don't just dive into, I'm going to break them up and draw him to me because it looks like that may end up in a little bit of a mess. So instead of doing like intense breakup work and, and, and drawing work, we're going to instead do something slightly different. First, we're going to start off with a bath or a water sign. Bathing is really good. It'll also help to clear the mind and ground you a bit like Doc Murphy mentioned. Uh, so get yourself some rue, some violet leaves, some rose petals. Brew the rue and the violet leaves into a tea. Then you're going to draw yourself a bath, pour the tea in there, add some milk, add some honey, swirl it around, and then cover the top with rose petals, red rose petals, and allow yourself to soak in this. This is a great way of uncrossing love situations, of healing hurt that may be held in the heart as well as doubt and fear, but also opening you up to love in all its various possibilities. Let yourself soak here. Let yourself really absorb, pray, hold, you know, hold this space. Let yourself air dry afterwards and dispose just a little bit of the bath water at your front yard. You can pour it at a tree or some bushes or just toss it right out of your house. Then what I want you to do is get a piece of paper that you're going to fold in half. On the left side of this piece of paper, I want you to write all the things that are holding you back from happiness, all the things that are in your way, all the things you don't like about this particular connection or friendship with this person. This can be that, very obviously, he has a different partner. His mind is elsewhere, that there's a rival here, that I don't have, uh, you know, I'm not given the time or the affection or the love that I need or the signs are unclear, he's not forthcoming or whatever. Write all of that down on the left side. On the right side, what I want you to do is write everything you love about this. All the things that make you think about him, all the things that you can't get off your mind, whether it's the sexual chemistry, the joy, the excitement, all of that, write that down on the right side of a piece of paper. You are then going to tear the paper in half very carefully. You're going to tear the paper in half so you have the left side on one side and the right side on the other. On your altar, you're going to take the left paper with all the things you don't like, and you are going to place it in a heat-proof bowl or small little cauldron. You're going to fold it up, place it, and splash it with some Florida water. Toss a match into this and burn it down. This is a way of driving out all of the things that hold you back, all the obstacles that are keeping you from happiness. This is a way of removing all of that, of purging it from your life. Let it burn down. Watch the flames. You can see certain signs in the flames. If you know how to read fire, 
this is a good opportunity to do so. Burn it down. Once it's burnt down, you're going to cover the ashes with salt, and you're going to dispose of it in a river. Go to a running water of some sort, some river, throw it over your left shoulder, walk away, do not look back. It's important not to look back. It's a way of really breaking with all those things that you are driving out of your life. When you return home, you are then going to take the right side of a piece of paper and you're going to place on top of this a candle holder with a pink candle that you've dressed with Love Me oil. Love Me is to really bring about the affection and love here. Not just come to me, but love me. Commitment, making someone, in the, you know, drawing someone into your life that is going to be in a relationship with you. And you're now going to arrange around it a series of herbs in a cross fashion. At the top branch of the cross, you're going to put a Queen Elizabeth root. On the left side, you're going to put rose petals. Uh, This is for love and affection. At the bottom of the cross, you're going to put bohog or lovage. This is for passion and desire. And on the right side, you're going to put some, you're going to put a violet leaf, either a whole one. If you can't get a whole one, you can just uh, put a sprinkle pinch of violet leaf. This way, you have your candle in the center surrounded by a cross of herbs, which are all going to support and draw in the love that you have written down in this piece of paper. You're going to burn that candle and pray over it that whoever is right for you will come to you and come to you quickly. You're going to do this over three days. On the final day, burn the candle all the way down. Then get yourself a small cloth bag, small flannel bag, and place your Queen Elizabeth root, your rose petal, your lovage root, your violet leaves, and your piece of paper with all the attributes and qualities and things that you really like, the stuff that you want out of that relationship, you're going to fold it up and place it into that bag. Pray into the bag and then knot and tie it three times. Heat it a bit of your favorite perfume, the one that you'll be wearing regularly, and keep this on your body for the next two weeks. After that, you can keep it in a pocket. You can put it in a purse. You should keep this mojo bag underneath your pillow when you're not wearing it out. Um, And once a week, feed it your favorite perfume and spray yourself. What this working will do is that if this person is right for you, then it will remove the things that are holding them back. It'll remove the obstacles. It'll remove, you know, the hesitation, the doubt, and it will allow the relationship to flourish. This is a a sort of gentle working. He'll come to the realization that the chemistry between you two is ideal and that's what he wants to pursue. If, on the other hand, it's not meant to be, then it will draw someone to you who will have all those qualities that you like, all the things that make you constantly think about this person, all the things that have you crushing hard and have all that great chemistry with none of the baggage, with none of this extra stuff of, well, is he actually into me? What about this other partner? So this is a really great working of addressing the particular situation that you're in, ensuring that you still find love and happiness. It's that sun card that we saw, that love and happiness at the end, without really kind of getting embroiled in the mess uh, of the situation itself. So this is my recommendation. It's two-part. It starts with a bath, and then it's in candle and mojo bag work. You will keep that mojo bag with you until... That person is yours, whether it's this person or someone else that you're you're finally in a relationship. You will keep this mojo bag and work it until that particular moment. We have some time here, so let's first turn this over to 
Uh, Papa G, see if he's got anything to add. And then Miss Cat and Doc Murphy can also jump in and add some of their thoughts. Um, I want to bring to attention something that Cat put in the um, chat room. Three of Swords, which I had read as the last card. Um, three of Swords also representing three people. Um, him, you, and his other partner. So, yeah, that was a good, can, interesting can I, take can on I that. On this? Cause when you guys were reading, yeah. um, one of them was the two of wands, which means waiting for a partner as well as yep. Yep. whatever. And um, and then when Doc Murphy was reading, um, there was this obstacle to the present, which was the lover's card. And I saw the other partner as the obstacle. The fact that he has another lover is the obstacle. So my mm-hmm. feeling here is I'm just going to throw in a little meme that goes back a long, long way that I learned from a uh, guy who taught me astrology. His name was Gavin Arthur. Don't rely on Gemini. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Doc Murphy, do you have any uh, suggestions in regard in regards to uh, root work? Well, um, the only thing that I would add that kind of uh, adds some sauce to your working is take some of those violet leaves and put them in your shoes. Um, Violet leaves will uh, draw love, and as you walk around with them in your shoes, preferably whole ones because they're shaped like a heart, um, just a little bit of extra punch to your working there that the, the violet leaves will do the work of drawing the love that you actually want. Whether or not it's this particular guy, um, it'll be the true love that's meant to come to you, for sure. That's a that's Thanks. very nice. That's very Thank nice. You. But that, yeah, violet leaves in your shoe. You can walk toward the best lover for you. That's very very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the key here is to be really open to which way the situation is is going to go. As much as you have great chemistry with this person, don't get fixed on it. Uh, allow yourself to, to kind of, you know, if this is the right person, then this working will bring them to you. If not, then be ready to move on and find someone who will bring you all the same things that you see here with with none of the, the sort of extra there. So we've uh, we've come to the end here. Thank you for entrusting us with your situation. We do wish you all the best. Uh, good luck with this. Do call us back and let us know how things turn out. We are going to take a uh, quick break, and then we're going to have special network announcements, followed by our free spell. Uh Uh-oh, wrong music. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment with Papa G and Miss Cat. Take it away! 
Well, I came up with some um, um, sort of some spell crafting tools that you can use for whatever spell you're trying to perform for creativity. I thought, well, what what can we do a spell about? And we talked about Kat and I writing this book. So here's some things that you can do to to boost your creativity around the house. And I had three different things, which one was an uh, herbal incense blend you can make, which you can burn it with charcoal. Uh, next, we're going to do tea, then we're going to go over some coloring. But for the incense blend, um, these are some uh, herbs you're going to probably want to powder up, and then when you get to the resin, and then you're going to do that in a grinder. Uh, not in a grinder, but in a mortar and pestle. So the first thing you're going to use is peppermint. And peppermint is one of the um, things along with so peppermint and master of the woods, because both of those are for sort of road-opening work. You're trying to open up the creative um, flow, um, open up, uh, you want people to see your creativity and experience it. Uh, Flaxseed is another ingredient you're going to use because it is for mental powers. Lemongrass, which is empowering, you know, give you the courage to go through and do what you're wanting to do. Um, Marjoram, because it's going to drive away blocks. Especially if you're writing, it'll help to drive away writer's block. Catnip, because, you know, usually catnip is to draw in things, and you can use it for that if you want to attract something, but it's also about beauty and allure. So, you know, you're using this because most artistic or creative endeavors deal with some level of beauty. And then you're going to add in either benzoin or frankincense, your choice, and mix it with all these herbs. And you burn it when you're... um, when you're doing your creative work, benzoin or frankincense are both for spiritual work. And creating art um, or creating, you know, doing something from scratch and creating is an artistic thing. It's a spiritual thing. So if I were to take some of those ingredients and make tea for you to drink, um, these will also make good images in your cup. You would take just the peppermint, the lemongrass, and the catnip. Please uh, don't mix all the first ones for your tea blend because they're not all consumable. And then finally, if, um, I think um, to drink that and to do it while you're, while you're doing your crafting. And then the last thing is to talk about what color do you use for creativity? You should use, if you're going to do some candle work, use orange. Orange is, if you look in the chakra system, it is the sacral chakra, which is normally associated with sexuality, but it's also where your creativity comes from. And I would say if you were going to anoint a candle with any specific oil, I would use bewitching because the things we create, we we will do them for ourselves, but we also want to bring in other people to enjoy them. So those are just three different ways you can help put some ing- creative ingredients into whatever spells you're putting together for your own creativity. Wow. All right. Ooh, I'm gonna, this is I'm gonna, really good. Yeah, I'd like to jump in here on if I can. This is a really nice blend um, as an incense. Um, if you were to um, consume Master of the Woods, nothing bad will happen to you. It's got a little bit of uh, coumarin scent. It's okay. Flax seeds, don't be consuming too many of those. Those are a laxative. You know, just be cautious with that. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Marjoram is consumable, but it's kind of bitter. It's it's relative of um, oregano, won't hurt you. 
catnip is in the mint family and will go well with the peppermint. Frankincense or benzoin. Benzoin is not consumable, but I will tell you that in um, the Middle East, people from Iran and Iraq often will put frankincense to burn as an incense, but they take out, it'll be mixed with herbs, like, for instance, mixed with a spond and then a few other Mm -hmm. herbs. They'll pull out, when they do this, and I've been taught this by two different women from Iraq who were in America um, because it wasn't very pleasant in Iraq, so they'd come to America to become citizens. Both of them showed me, you pull out one piece of frankincense out of the herb mix and you chew it. It becomes gummy in your mouth. It's a little bitter. And both of them said the same thing. When you burn incense with frankincense, always chew one piece. And I asked the first one, why? And and she said, well, it sweetens your breath and it makes all the words you speak true. I asked the second woman why, because you always ask the questions over and over again. I asked the second woman why, and she goes, I don't know, because my mama told me. You You know, that's very similar to, because I I like to make my own herbal incense blends, and you need something like a benzoin or something something sticky to hold all those herbs together. And sometimes I'll put powdered honey, just a little bit, into the blend, and then I often tell clients to put, if they're going to talk to someone who they want to convince or become their lover, to put honey in their mouth before they make the phone call. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah we, we, um, I've talked about the powers of honey to influence a person, but the frankincense one is is new to me. That's fascinating. It is. It is a little bit. It would be a little bit bitter, but it makes perfect sense in regards to uh, influencing with the mouth. There's a lot of sort of traditions associated with that, with either holding something in your mouth or chewing something or putting honey on your tongue. Uh, all to all to make your words sweeter or more impactful or to influence people as you speak. So definitely a whole tradition associated with that. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, w- this is this, one of the thing I want to say about this um, this little blend. If you um, grind these things up in a grinder, like. Um, Papa G was mentioning. Um, I wouldn't, just personally, I I wouldn't bother grinding the frankincense down. Just use the frankincense tears. The rest you should grind small. And um, because it's an herb blend, you're going to want to do it on charcoal. Um, Or Mm -hmm. you can mix it with a self-lighting incense powder that has saltpeter in it. Um, Whatever. And if you want to have something that's a little more stickiness to it, you can also put pine needles, which are also road opening. Mhm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. Mhm. I like the idea so, of adding pine needles there. Yeah, pine needles are are a, a, a very traditional thing. Pine resin, also pine gum. If you find pine gum coming out of a wound in a pine tree, you can um, pick that off and save it. A lot of people use that as an incense. Um, it's not worth um, damaging pine trees for, but sometimes there'll be a little break in the bark, and you'll see a little drop of that pine resin. Always take it home with you. That's a gift from nature. Well, we have come to the end of our episode, and what an episode it was. What a fun conversation. Uh, a special mm-hmm. thanks to uh, Papa G and Miss Cat for being our guest today and bringing the topic of Stranger in My Cup. It was Stranger in the Cup, I should say. A great conversation about tea leaf readings and the book. 
Um, also to Doc Murphy, who jumped in as our guest co-host. Um, it was fun having you all and having this great conversation. We're going to hand this out to the outro, and then we're going to all come back and say goodbye at the end. Well, thank you, Conjure Man Ali, and thank you, special guest host, Doc Murphy. Um, that's much appreciated. And thank you, Miss Cat and Papa D, for being our guest this week. We invite you for, uh, to join us next week for a rebroadcast of one of our favorite shows, since all of us will be at the 2020 Virtual Who Do Heritage Festival this October 16th, 17th, and 18th. I'm your announcer, Dr. Jeremy Weiss, joining you from templeofmiriam.com. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like you to I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in next week. Thank all right, you, well, everyone. no one's going to speak up. I'm going to I'm going to uh, shout uh, out to the chat room people. So Angela L, cousin Joshua, <laughs> come and give two. Of course, Doc Murphy, Doctor Sweet, Jeremy Weiss, Papa G, Rue Wolf, Signy DC, and Tony I, who's going to be presenting at the Virtual Who Do Heritage Festival. As is Contrapanali, as is Jeremy Weiss, as is Papa G. <laughs> Thank you all for okay. joining us. This uh, this is only possible because of the attentive listeners that we have and all the wonderful people who are joining us in the chat. For those that are listening in the future or who listen later in the archives, we do have a live chat that you can join as the radio show is ongoing and participate and chat with the host, chat with each other. We've got a nice little virtual community. Uh, So thank you to all of you who listen and join us every week. Thanks for tuning in. It was a great episode. I hope Hope to see you all in a couple weeks. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night.